mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bibles with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to be beginning this morning in verse 19. Just hold your fingers there. I want to talk to you a minute about New Year's. Happy New Year, by the way. It's a New Year's. Does anybody remember what our saying was for 2022? Renewing you and sending you in 2022. Anybody been sent by the Holy Spirit? Remember, it's got to be by the Holy Spirit, Romans 8, 14. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. So, so at this time of year, and I, I do this probably the same type of message every year uh, in, in a sense because God is not uh, changing. God's the same. There's a lot of seducers and liars and imposters out there that every year they want to come up with something new and some new way to do things. Uh, listen, I don't even believe that we should make New Year's resolutions. I think that New Year's resolutions set you up for defeat because you do them for a week, you do them for a month, you do them for two months, and then you go, oh, I've been defeated again. And so you, you kick yourself around. If you're going to make something that's new and fresh, it should be a new life resolution. In the spirit, we're outside of time. It's not about January 1st. It's not about any specific date except for you surrendering your life to Christ and entering into the will of God and stop doing the will of the devil uh, and stop living for self and start living for God. So I don't believe in these New Year's resolutions. If you want to change something, ask the Holy Spirit to help you change it and make a new life resolution because we're new creations in Christ and we should be living and being set free every day of our lives. Now, when you look at New Year's, you always want to think that there's going to be, uh, just in the thought of it, some regrets. So I, I typically will read all of Philippians 3, but I'm just going to read uh, a portion of it this year. I just want you to see this, that, we don't want to stay in 2022 because we're outside of time. We want to move forward. And so when you look at our memory verse this week, Philippians 3.13, but I want to look at 3.12 and moving forward. And we're going to talk about this in a couple weeks on Friday Night Bible Study. And this is Paul speaking to the church at Philippi. 
And what does he say? That because nobody's arrived, nobody's finished, everybody's still a work in progress. We're still God's workmanship, his poema. And look what he says in Philippians 3.12. Now you can keep your finger where he is at, but I'm going to read this to you. Paul says this. This is Paul who wrote almost all of the New Testament, more books than anybody else, although Dr. Luke wrote more content. Uh, 3.12. Not that I have already attained or I'm already perfected, this is Paul, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus had laid hold of me. Listen, that's what we're looking to do. Why did you call me, Lord? Why did you save me, Lord? What's my gifting, Lord? What am I supposed to be doing, Lord? See, there's no new message I'm ever going to give you from this pulpit. It's always going to be the same message of a relationship with God that, that begins in the word prayer and fellowship. It's never going to change. Why have you called me? What am I supposed to be doing now? I was living for the devil. Now I want to do your will, God. So Paul, even in this part of his life, says, not that I'm already attained, not that I have perfected, but what I do is I press on. And then 13, of course, brethren, he's speaking to you and me and sisters. I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Listen to me, because this is the one thing that I would encourage you to do this time of year. Forgetting those things which are behind. Right? All the regrets, everything that's behind us in the last year, forget it. Ask God for forgiveness. Take perspective. Sit down today and say, Lord, what have I been doing? Why have I been shipwrecked? Why have I been in that place? I want to go forward. I want to press on. I want to lay hold of that for which you lay hold of me for eternal life. And then forget those things which are in the rear view mirror. You can't get nowhere looking backward. You'll bump into stuff. You'll run over stuff. No regrets. Ask for forgiveness Ask the Holy Spirit to help you do what? Forget that which is behind and reach forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What are you pressing for? Trying to get a good physique? What are you pressing forward for? Trying to get a new house? What are you pressing forward for? Trying to get a new car? What are you pressing forward for? Trying to get a new job? Listen, the saint, the new creation, the one who is, is making a new life resolution is pressing forward toward the goal uh, for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Onward and upward, not backward and downward. We're growing always. And that's just, that's just what I want you to understand about what Paul was saying even in the end of his life. While he was in prison, writing this prison epistle, he says he's pressing forward, onward, forgetting what's behind him. So no matter what happened in the past year, the past life, we have a new life now. We're new creations now, and I want to move you forward with that. So with that, our new saying, whatever that means, our new saying that I want you just to carry around and chew on and think about and don't forget about by tomorrow as you press on is setting the captives free in 2023. Setting the captives free in 2023. And it's very interesting because, listen, you might be the captive. 
See, you and I could be the captive that needs to be set free, or if we're not set free, we can't set other captives free. There's people in bondage, even in the body of Christ. There's people in bondage that have wandered away from the truth. Look at this at James. Turn to James chapter 5. I know you said, wait a minute, we're in 2 Timothy 2. We'll get there eventually. Look at James and what James says. In again, remembering what we talked about during the Christmas testimony of Jesus, what we talked about about you and I, James 5, 17, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Isn't that amazing? James 5, 17, you know what Elijah means? The Lord is God. And Elijah was a prophet of God. And it says he had a nature just like yours and mine. He had a sin nature, but then he also agreed to obey God. And he listened to God. And he heard the word of God. And he went and told people about what God had said to set the captives free. He had a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it didn't rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain. And the earth produced its fruit. Why? Because he was praying to a faithful God. Because he was trusting God. But this is what I wanted to get you to. But I had to just remind you that we all have the same nature and we remember that it's God that's doing the work in us and through us for his glory for such a time as this. Uh, 319, again, the body of Christ. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Listen, you could be the captive. I could be the captive. People in the body of Christ are taken captive and they don't understand what they're called to do to press onward and upward and look for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus and to die to self and to stop living for self. And to begin to enter into the will of God for your life. And to be sanctified. What is His will? Listen, what is God's will for your life? 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, 23. Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful who will also do it. Notice where it's done from. It's not done from your strength, not by power, not by might, but by my strength, saith the Lord. But my spirit, saith the Lord. Not by power or might, but by my spirit. That was 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24 that were supposed to be sanctified, all of us, spirit, soul, and body. That is the body of Christ. Listen to me. Listen to me. Have you wondered from the truth? I want to turn you back if you've wandered from the truth. If you're kind of living your best life now instead of living for Jesus and doing the will of God and you've wandered away from truth because truth is a person. Truth is Jesus. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not a way, not a truth, not a life. He is everything. He's our all in all. And if someone wanders from the truth and you turn a soul back, you've saved him from hell, saved him from death. Listen, I want to encourage you today to start thinking about 
setting the captives free in 2023. That's the ministry that God has given us, the reconciliation of souls. The only ministry the church has is reconciliation of souls. We are ambassadors as if Christ was pleading through us, be reconciled to God. And there are those, it's a big house, there are those in the house of God that have wandered away. There are those that have become apostate. There are those that have been taken captive and they're actually doing the will of the devil instead of the will of God in the house of God. Because they don't want to pursue by the Spirit of God and understand the truth of God and go out and obey it. That's sanctification. Being purified, being set apart, being used, being led by the Spirit of God. All of that is part of sanctification in Christ. Now with that, I want to read beginning in verse 219 all the way through chapter 3, verse 17, because the, the, the answer is always the same. Listen, you're like, well, what do we do? What do we do? I need to make a new life resolution. Listen, the answer has never changed. This is what God has always been doing, reconciling souls, redeeming lost souls. He's been speaking into the darkness, and when you hear it, when you hear His voice, He knows and then you follow him. That's Christianity. That's eternal life. My sheep, John 14, 10, hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Nothing new. Is that 14, 10? No. 14, 26. Sorry. Let's look. I would love to teach a whole bunch more, but I've already grasped too much here, probably. But I want you to see that sanctification is God's will for your life. Not just salvation, but then sanctification. He wants to sanctify you. Spirit, that's positional. Soul, that's practical. Body, that's glorification. All of those are being done right now, and we're supposed to cooperate. We have a part in that. Saying a prayer is not enough it's the beginning. And just as Elijah prayed and it didn't rain for three and a half years, you and I have the same nature and we can choose to pray. We can choose to have a relationship. We can choose to believe God or we can choose to continue to do our own will and be led and taken captive by the devil. I choose to set the captives free in 2023. 219, 2 Timothy 219. Let's read about God's big house. Listen to this, because lots of people make a profession. Lots of people say, I know Jesus. You ever ask somebody if they know Jesus? All the time. Oh, I know Jesus. Everybody born in America knows Jesus. It's getting less and less people that will even confess that. Listen to me. The important part is, does he know you? Does he know you? Are you intimately acquainted? Are you hearing his voice? I know them, and they follow me. 2.19, listen. Nevertheless, you can go read the rest of the context. Nevertheless, the solid foundation. Jesus is a solid foundation. He's the rock of God's stands. That's our position we're supposed to be in. And it has this seal. Here's the mark. Here's the signet ring that was given to the prodigal son. Here's the seal that goes on it, the stamp of approval, the evidence. Listen, the Lord knows. 
epigenoskos, those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Listen, name is God's character, his nature, his will, sanctification for your life. You're moving away from, your mind is going towards perfection, completion. That's where we're going to get when we get to verses 3, 16, and 17. Listen to me. This is the seal. This is the evidence. This is the mark that the king has touched you, that Christ is in you, and that you're growing and going. This is the evidence that you haven't been taken captive, that you are in the process of departing from iniquity, from wickedness, from sin, from moral depravity. You are moving away from practicing what you used to practice. You may stumble you may fall, you may mess up bad, you may drink the water for a while, but you're moving away and you're a child of God. That's what it says. Here's the seal. There's a seal. You're no longer trapped in this lying world, but you are moving away from it. Listen, the seal is a signet ring as fencing in or protecting. It's a stamp or it's impressed upon you, marking you as private, a mark of privacy. This is my son. This is my child. And so he says, depart from iniquity, which means it's really a strange word because it's just like apostasy. See, you become apostate to what this world has to offer. You remove yourself from what this world has, and it means to be actively removing yourself, to instigate a revolt against your flesh, a revolt against the things of this world. It means to fall away from sin, to fall away from the sin nature, to flee it, to withdraw self, Or to walk away from your own self-will. That's what it means to do. Depart from iniquity. Here's the seal. 2 Timothy 2.19. Now let's finish. 2.20 and following. But in a great house, there are many, excuse me, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, charity, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart, but avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will become lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, 
traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all, as theirs also was. But you have carefully followed of my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me in Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and have been assured of knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Father, thank you. Thank you that you sent your word to heal the land. That what you're doing, what you've done, and what you're going to do has never changed. Thank you, Lord, that we can be privileged to be part of your family. We pray, Lord, that we would do our part in turning our hearts toward home, that we, like the prodigal, would come to our senses and we would allow your Holy Spirit to lead us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Send us now, Lord, to proclaim it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's look back now. 2.20, we've already seen that. The beginning of that was 2.19. If you have the seal, then your heart should be towards moving, departing from, leaving this world, looking upward, pressing onward. And then he tells us about this great house, the house of God. Listen to me. Because verse 20, but in a great house, Great is megas, it's mighty, it's strong, it's a large house. A house is a residence, it's an abode, but it actually implies a family, a household. It's representative as the church. In a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Listen to me, in the house of God, There are vessels that are going to be used for honor and dishonor. Which do you want to be? Do you want to be used and honored by God? Privileged of God? Do you want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into my rest? Or do we want to be ashamed at his glorious appearing? Don't we want to be pleasing to the Father? Listen. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him, for you first must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. 
So we don't want to go on pleasing man or pleasing self. We want to learn to please God. And it has to be done by faith that is in Christ Jesus. It has to be trusting that he sent us a teacher, that he sent us his spirit, that he will not leave us orphans. It has to be trusting in his truth and his plan and what he's doing to lead us out of darkness into his house. And it begins today as we set the captives free in 2023. So it's his house, and the vessels really are implements or equipment. It's, it's, it can actually mean stuff, or it can mean goods. But listen what it is. The common Greek metaphor for it is the body, for this word vessel. It's the body of Christ. The body of Christ. In the body of Christ... There's vessels of honor and dishonor. Some of them are made of gold and silver, and some of them are still wood and earth. I know your Bible might say clay, but the King James says earth, and that's where the, we were created out of the earth. Still a natural man, and wood, still the natural man. It's speaking of the flesh. There's people in God's house that are still living with their sin nature. There's people in God's house who have been redeemed, but they're still living according to the flesh, and they're trying to do the works themselves. But what we should do is be sanctified. True salvation, which is silver, is redemption. Gold is deity. That's the way we want to move to. We want to be used in the master's hand is what he's talking about. Sanctified. We understand redemption. Silver, a silver vessel, understands it, has searched it out, and is drawing near to God. And then why? Because gold is deity. And you're becoming like God. This is the sanctification process. Positionally, we're already in His image. Practically, because of salvation, we're beginning to move that way. But many in the body of Christ have been have wandered off. Many in the body of Christ have been taken captive to do the devil's will, and they're not looking to do God's will, and they think they can live any way they want, do anything they want, and they're okay because they said a prayer. Listen to me. That's still doing the devil's will. And God says he wants you to be sanctified in his house. He doesn't want you to live that way. He doesn't want you to be dishonoring to his house, which means shame, disgrace. It means vile. He wants, you to, he wants to honor you and use you and send you which means to have value and a price. He paid that price for us. So 21 says, therefore, because of what he just said, there's a seal where you're departing from evil if you're naming the name of Christ. But he'll acknowledge that in that house there's gold and silver, wood and clay. There's different vessels some for honor, some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the ladder, from the wood, from the earth, from the clay, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Notice that's exactly what it's going to say in verse 17 of chapter 3. See, sanctification is done by the word of God. Sanctification is 
is preparing you for every good work today for what he wants you to do tomorrow. This is what happens when you're in the master's hand and you walk away from the flesh. You walk away from this earth. You're, 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 you say, I don't want any more wood and clay. I don't want any wood and earth. I want to be part of God's kingdom that's being honored. And, and, and if I'm pleasing to him, I don't care what the world thinks about what I'm saying and doing. I want to go set the captives free in 2023. So sanctified means this, to make holy, ceremonially pure or consecrated. It means to be holy, to separate from perversion. To be separated from perversion is the way it's used, and I can't read my own writing sometimes, uh, in biblical usage, sanctified. Remember in the Old Testament, I always try to talk about this, consecration, sanctification. In the Old Testament, we had the temple, right? Now you and I are the temple of the living God. Old Testament had the temple. What did the artisans do? They made implements for the temple to be used in the service of God. And they made gold cups and gold plates and gold silverware. They made all these silver shields. They made these things. And it was wood covered in silver. Wood covered in gold is what we see in the, all the implements of the tabernacle. Because wood is representing of the flesh. You and I are still flesh. You and I are still from the earth. But we can be born again. We can be new creations. We can begin to walk this out by being led by the Spirit of God. And we can die to self and allow him to change us into his image and use us for his glory, for his honor, for his praise. And we point to him in everything that we do. Are you being prepared for every good work or have you been taken captive to do the devil's will? Have you wandered off and need to be set free and your soul saved? Well, God's part is done. Proclaiming his word is the part that's being done right now. And here's your part. Here's your mindset. Here's your and I's choice in what we do because we always have a choice. If we want to be honorable in God's kingdom, then it tells us in verse 22 that we should flee also youthful lust, youthful desires. Flee, run from what the desires of this earth were, what the desires of our youth were, and then do what? Pursue, flee what we were doing, what we did desire, and then pursue righteousness. Righteousness is a big word. We get it through Christ, but righteousness means right living before God. That's the layman way to talk about this. I want to pursue how do I live right before you, God? Pursue righteousness. And then look, faith, charity, King James, and peace. How do you do that? In fellowship with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Listen, we're not perfect, but we're being perfected. Positionally, we're holy because he's holy. And then we come together in fellowship and we're all wanting to call upon God with a pure heart. I'm not looking to fulfill my life. I'm not looking to chase youthful lust. I'm not looking to build my kingdom. I'm wanting to proclaim Christ and Christ crucified and him alone. And we want to set the captives free that have been taken captive to do the will of the devil or have wandered off. 
So we have to do it together in the word, prayer, and fellowship. These are evidences that somebody's come to their senses. These are evidences that somebody has, has cast off and is departing from inequity. They get involved in the body of Christ, in the family of God. They come together as a family, as a body, with Christ as the head, and they say, we want to be involved. Listen, true salvation is not saying a prayer and just doing whatever you want. The body of Christ, those that are going to be honored, those that are, that, are, that are looking for honor of God, they say, what have you called me to do? And now let's go get it done together as one, as a body in unity in the spirit of the bond of peace. And while they're doing that, notice the but here, avoid Run from it, flee, avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. This is something that's an act of our will. You can get involved in the flesh. You can get involved in a political battle. You can get involved in these foolish, ignorant things that have nothing to do with anything of the kingdom of God and the saving of souls, but they're just going to generate strife. What, 24, a servant of the Lord, that's a doulos. That's somebody who voluntarily becomes a slave to God's will. All of the disciples took it. Back in Exodus 12, you, is it Exodus 12? Back in Exodus, um, it's not 12, maybe it's 22. Back in Exodus, they would, if they wanted to stay in the house, this is, we're talking about vessels in God's house. You want to stay in his house, you voluntarily go to the doorpost of his house and you say, pierce my ear, O God. And in the, in the Old Testament, in, in biblical uh, theology and understanding, piercing your ear, you would put your God in your ear. Because that, my sheep hear my voice. It's who you're listening to. It's whose voice you're hearing. And he knows which voice you're listening to. Listen, God knows whether you're listening to your own heart or to his word. God knows whether you're, you're allowing the word of God to sanctify and cleanse you or if you're still pursuing your own life. This is some hard stuff, people. But it's true Christianity. And if we don't begin to do it and follow it and obey it, we end in apostasy. That's going to be chapter 3, but the answer is still always the same. God sent the word to heal the land. He sent truth to wake us up. He sent light to shine in the darkness. He sent right to correct our wrong. A servant of the Lord, verse 24, must, look, word must, it's emphatic, not quarrel. The Lord's bond person is not quarrelsome, but be gentle. Listen, gentle isn't, this, gentle isn't what we think of it as today. Jesus was gentle. He made a whip, cleansed the temple, but he was still gentle. He deals with people with compassion and wisdom. He deals with them with what they need. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The coming of the Lord is at hand. Paul later encourages us. Let, you must be gentle to all. Oh, really? To all? You know, because it's really difficult when I see people on the internet or I see people in the streets and I see people dealing with the unsaved world, which we used to be, and they're dealing with them in a harsh, 
way. Listen to me. Even myself sometimes will call somebody an idiot, but it's wrong. Sometimes I can get flustered, get in the flesh, but it's wrong because they've been taken captive in the worst way. They have no idea of truth. And we want to set them free. And that's what we're here for. The only reason we're here is to be a witness. The only reason we're here is to give evidence. The only reason we're here still is to shine a light. And so we're supposed to let that gentleness be known to all. And then here's another. I'm going to do a sermon on Abel. Able to teach. All of us should be able to teach. Oh boy, all of us want to teach, don't we? Yeah, let me tell you how to do this. Let me tell you how to do that. Let me tell you how to do that. Well, that's not the way they should do that. We all want to teach. But are we doing it with patience? See, all of us are called. All of us can be used by the Spirit of God to teach others. But what are our actions teaching others? Patient. Some of us are patients, all right. Oh, I'm sorry. Was that that fleshly thing? Was that that? 25, in humility. Listen, in humility. Isn't it humbling to be used by God? Listen, if you're being used by God and you're doing it with haughtiness and pride and arrogance and say, look at me, I'm a rock star, you're serving the wrong spirit. You're serving the wrong God. It's a humbling thing to be chief of sinners and then God to put his spirit in you and then use you for his glory and give you a gift and then act like you're the one doing it. God will give you the credit as long as you keep glorifying him. He'll give you the honor. But it's him that fills our empty vessels that have nothing. Nothing. Nothing good dwells in our flesh. Correcting is the word instructing because, listen, you can't correct anybody without the Word of God. And the only thing the Word of God does is instruct you from the wrong. It's instruction. Listen to me. It's correcting is instruction. He who hates correction is stupid. All of us need correction from the beginning of our life to the end of our life. All of us need correction. The question is, are we getting that correction from the Word of God or from the world? Are we getting it from the Spirit of God that leads us in the Word of God to the truth of God for His glory? Or are we getting it from the world that says, oh, don't do that, let's correct this? Listen to me, it's a very nice word, we'll get to it in a minute. But this is the same word that is used to train a child up in the way that it's supposed to go. To educate and to discipline and to chastise a child because you correct out of love. You correct in patience. You correct because God has given you a spirit to do that. We take the word of God to correct those. And if we're not using that in the proper way as seducers and liars and deceivers do, then we allow the devil to take us captive. That's our choice. There's no deception but self-deception. We choose to not read the word of God. We choose to not learn the word of God. We choose to not listen to the voice of God. We choose to not confess our sin. We choose in every day what we're doing. And listen, whatever you choose, you also reap. God is not mocked. If you sow to the wind, you will reap the whirlwind. 
God is not going to force himself upon us. If you choose not to allow the word of God to heal you and correct you, then God will allow you to go astray and to wander off and be taken by the devil. But he gives you a choice. His word is able to save you. His word is able to give you power and strength. His word is there. His house is there. He has given all of us a free gift to come Now listen what he says there in verse 25. In humility, instructing those who are, listen, those that oppose themselves. Listen, that's the King James. It says those that are in opposition, right? But it really says in the King James, and when you look it up in the Greek, you're opposing yourself. You're not hurting anybody else when you're arguing with the Word of God. You're not deceiving anybody else when you're arguing with the Word of God. When you ignore it, you don't allow it to correct you. You are sinning against your own soul. You're sinning against your own sanctification. You're opposing yourself. Oh, I love you, Lord. I want to be part of your kingdom. And then you oppose yourself by not obeying or asking the Holy Spirit to lead you to obey the Word of God. By not going and growing, you oppose yourself yourselves it means to set oneself opposite of self of the word of god of what you clearly confessed i believe you lord i want to be married to you i want to be created in your image and then you oppose yourself and say nope don't believe the word of god ain't going to read the word of god ain't going to follow the word of god don't trust the word of god oh i'm a christian listen to me these are very important things because it's not the devil that's killing you You're giving him your life. He's taking you captive to do his will, but you're choosing that from self-deception because the truth has been given to you. So you're opposing yourself. If God perhaps will grant them repentance, and I believe that's not just with the church or with us, but it's also people outside as you're living, as you're teaching, as you're being patient, as you're sharing the truth, then we know that God can grant them repentance. They can change their mind, come to salvation. But what about somebody that's opposing themselves in the body of Christ? And they're going, yeah, but that's not what we teach at our church. Now you can also change your mind about what you think about the Word of God. Now, I'd be careful with that if you see a man of God that's had a ministry for 30, 40 years and he keeps changing his mind about what God's saying. Be very careful with that. But when you have the truth wrong and you're thinking that CRT is true and that, and that, and that uh, there's racism everywhere and you're thinking that all these political things are part of what you should be involved in and fighting, when you're thinking that Marxism is good, when you're thinking that all these things that the devil are doing in the world are good, you need to change your mind. You need to wake up to the will of God and wake up to the Spirit of God and learn what the Word of God says we should be doing and not involved in a physical fight. Listen to me. Very important that we understand what's going on because there's a lot of liars out there. And God wants to grant repentance. That's metanoia. It means to change your mind. When you change your mind, you'll change your direction. You know how many people in the body of Christ that say they changed their mind, but their direction is still the same? It's an impossibility to change your mind and keep going in the same direction. 
I was running headlong into death. I've changed my mind, and I'm running headlong into death. Isn't that an ox and a moron? Sometimes I'm an ox and a moron. Oxymoron? It's a contradiction in terms to say, I've changed my mind. I've repented of my death life, my sin life, my nature. I believe God's word now. I'm going to run from and flee from and get away from the world and its lies. And then you keep doing what you've been doing. That's not sanctification. That's deception. That's what we're going to see here in a minute. It actually leads to the end of it is the great falling away. The apostasy, chapter 3. And the only answer to the apostasy is, again, to repent, to change our mind, to get back into the Word of God and believe the Word of God and not politically correctness, not this woke crowd. See, the woke crowd are really asleep, but they want to say, we woke up. No, you're dead. You're dead. You're asleep. You've been taken captive. It's so sad to see so much of the church, the so-called church, God's bride, that has been taken captive. They don't want to give forgiveness. They don't want to give mercy. They don't want to give grace. They don't want to share the gospel. They want to share earthly, sensual, demonic wisdom. And they want to come up with this new gospel. Listen, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to get in trouble here, but there's a new gospel out there that's being portrayed that's in the movie or in the miniseries, The Chosen. Dallas Jenkins. I can't believe, I mean, is his dad dead? Because his dad should be yanking him around by the, but we, we see it again in the generation of Chuck Stanley with Andy Stanley. We see the youth going astray because they won't listen to the authority of the word of God. They won't listen to the elders that God has put in their lives and they want to come up with a new gospel. Listen, the chosen is so amazing. This is what people are saying, and I'm acting kind of weird. It's so amazing just to see what Jesus would have done. Do you know the first commandment's not to make any image of God? And yet we make movies that has the image of God, and we will believe that entertainment culture. We will believe that that's what it is, even though Dallas Jenkins and all of his people, they say we're making him more user-friendly. Oh, this could have happened. That could have happened. And then people are saying, oh, I'm experiencing and falling more in love with Jesus because of watching him on the screen. That is a lying, deceiving, deceptive, blasphemous Jesus. That's not the real Jesus. I was watching an interview and they said, we're showing him with all of his faults. Your God has faults? You need to get a new God. See, but that's what the Mormons believe, and that's who that Dallas Jenkins is coupled with, is a Mormon studio and a Mormon people. And the Mormons don't serve the same Jesus, even though Dallas Jenkins says they do. They don't serve the same. They serve a God. They believe that you become a God, and you get to walk a planet and be Jesus to another planet, and you get to have a whole bunch of spirit wives and populate a whole planet yourself. That's not the same Jesus I serve. My Jesus says it's appointed for man to die once, and then comes the judgment. My Jesus died for the sins of the world. The Mormon Jesus says that Joseph Smith did more for the world than Jesus Christ ever did. Listen, you cannot watch entertainment on TV and say, now I'm touched by an angel. That was some of the first stuff. 
That was the most evilest stuff on the planet. Those people are evil. They're giving you something that's not the true biblical Jesus. You may feel good, but, but Jesus is not about your emotions. He wants to sanctify your emotions. Body, soul, and spirit. He wants to sanctify all of you. You will be led astray by your emotions. Oh, I just feel so good about this. Really? That's what Eve said. I just feel like this is going to make me wise and I'm going to be like God. Wait a minute. That wasn't the truth. The truth was, is in the day that you eat of this tree, you will surely die. Listen to me. Be careful because we're a people that want to be entertained. Our flesh wants to be coddled and entertained and we want to take care of our emotions and we want to create God in our own image. And that's exactly what that Chosen series is doing. And this is not easy stuff, but boy, sit down and be entertained. You're free to do that. You have liberty in Christ. You can do whatever you want, but it's not good for your sanctification to watch lies. I would rather you watch some horror movie, although you shouldn't be watching it, than to watch a false movie about Jesus that's not real, that's not true, There's so many of them like that, too. But we would rather watch a movie, wouldn't we, than read the book? Let's read the cliff notes instead of reading the book. Instead of spending time with God, let's spend time with his, somebody who wrote a book about him. Be careful. Buyer beware. Sorry, I had to get hit that again. It's becoming so famous, and people are doubling down on the chosen. It's from the pit of hell, and it will lead you to hell. To a wrong Jesus. So you must be able to instruct, to correct those that are in opposition to themselves, that are destroying themselves, so that God can re- grant them metanoia, repentance. They can change their mind. When you hear truth and you change your mind, that means you're obeying. When you hear the word of God and you say, Wow, that's me, and that, that, that's conviction. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And then you repent. You ask God to give you strength to go the other way, to do the other thing. Why? So that you may come into relationship, know the truth. Why? Because you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Listen, don't become captive to the will of the devil. Don't wander off by following lies and strange doctrine. Listen to me. We're going to get to it on, uh, uh, in our book of John. We're in chapter 8. And in 8, 31 and 32, what did Jesus say? Jesus said to those disciples, to those Jews who believed, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Listen to me. If you abide in my house, abide is an abode. If you abide in my house, in my word, This is where we find out what the house of God is about. This is how he sanctifies us. We're going to get to it, to the word of God. The only way the captives can be set free is the word of God. The truth of God. And we come to our senses, verse 26, that they may come to their senses. Isn't that what the prodigal son did? He was in the field eating the pods that the pigs were supposed to eat. And he said, it came to his senses. And he said, I know what. I'm going to go become a doulos in my father's house. And you know what happened? The father ran to meet him before he could ever get there. 
and put a seal on him, a signet ring, clothed him in royal robes, and then killed the fatted calf and had a party, celebrated for the real reason, not for what we celebrate down here. So it's our choice as a people. James says again in chapter 4, he's in 4-7, he says that it's our choice. Submit to God, obey his word, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Lament and mourn and weep. Listen, these are things that we have to have a choice to do and say, wait a minute, I don't want to do that. I want to I mourn over my sin. I want to, to, to submit to God and resist the devil, not freely chase after him, not freely pursue him and allow him to take me captive to do his will, which is what the rest of this verse said. Come to your senses and escape all in italics, the snare of the devil, the trap of the devil. It actually means a trap, a noose, a notch, the temptation of the devil, having been taken captive. Who are taken captive, it says. Uh, to take alive. It means to make a POW, a prisoner of war. I remember when I first got saved, we used to have this song on the radio. I'd sit and read my Bible, and, and it was this song. I don't even know who did it. I don't know nothing about it. But it says, I'm going to the enemy's camp and take back what the enemy stole from me. Listen, we're going to set the captives free in 2023. And it might need to start with us. It might need to start in our chair. What are we pursuing? What are we fleeing? What are we running to? What are we pressing for? What's your plans for 2023? You want to be an ambassador for Christ? Or do you want to just keep doing what you've always done and saying, ah, I, th I like being a POW. Snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will, do at his will, his determination, his choice, his purpose, his pleasure. Now listen, just imagine that there's no chapter break here because in the original there wasn't. And it keeps going. He's still talking to Timothy. Oh, did I tell you that Timotheus? Timothy means, uh, 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 oh my goodness, honored son. I think it's honor, honoring the son or something like that. Let me look it up real quick. I think I got it on here. Um, because we're looking at a dishonor or an honored son, right? We want to look to be a, a, a son of honor or a son of dishonor. And, and Timothy means, Timotheus is how it is, honoring God. That's what his name means, honoring God. So when we're being sanctified, which is God's will, body, soul, and spirit, spirit, soul, and body, all of us being sanctified, and we're, it, it is, is we're honoring God. And then we're going to get the honor back in his house and we're not going to be dishonoring to God. So now we're going to move in and move quickly. I don't have time to cover all of this completely emphatically, but I want you to understand that right here is what's been happening in the church, the apostasy. When we leave the word of God, this is what happens. Listen, 
When the devil has taken over, when people have been taken captive, they're POWs, this is what happens to the character and the nature of the child of God. This is what happens instead of newness of life, there becomes this dishonoring God, and there becomes this character that's dishonoring, and we change the whole face, the landscape of the foundation of the house of God, and it looks different than what it should look. It acts different than what it should be. Remember the book of Acts? The acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. We always want to remember that it's the Holy Spirit doing the work. And if you are being led by the Holy Spirit in the Word of God to wash and cleanse you, you will not turn out like this perilous times tells us the church turns out. Because chapter 3 is written about the church. Listen, the world has always been unholy, unloving, ungodly. The world has always been these things. God wants us to know what the church looks like when they're dishonoring him. The church looks like when they're not following him. The church looks like when they're not being sanctified and in the master's hands for his use. So he says, but know this, understand this, Timothy, those who want to honor God, that in the last days, now what's the last days? Every day since the disciples stood and watched Jesus ascend into the clouds is the last days. Notice no date is set, just the last days. Perilous times will come. When you walk away from the word slowly, they're coming. It's the word for come and go. It's the same word where he tells us to go, but here they're coming. Perilous times. Now this is an important word because perilous can mean difficult. It can mean treacherous. It can mean fierce or furious or dangerous. But listen, it has the idea or it's through the idea of a reduction of strength, reducing strength. We're going to see it in verse 6 where there's a form of godliness that denies the strength, denies the power, denies the spirit of God that leads the child of God into sanctification to do the will of God so you can honor God. Timothy, this is what he would say to us. So that when you see perilous times, it's because there's a reduction of strength because we walk away from the word of God, the truth of God, the ways of God. The body of Christ should be doing this together and the devil has successfully separated us. Well, that's not the way I believe, Greg. So I'm going to go down and start my own church. First church of you fill in the blank. I'm going to go to another church. You know, when God starts to speak to you, you know what people do? They get up and they run to another church when they don't really want to do the will of God. When God starts get moving you to do something different and he's rescuing you and you're starting to change your mind, you go, wait a minute, this is not comfortable. I'm going to go to another church. They say that about 95% of church growth in America is from people mad at another church and going and finding something else that fits the flesh, that tickles the ears, that makes them feel good like a movie, makes them feel good like the entertainment culture, instead of correcting them, teaching them, and sanctifying them so that they can be ready for the master to do every good work. Perilous times will come. They're here. You have to know and understand that they're not only here right now, but they were there then. The devil has come in and brought these fierce times. Think about it. Nero was impaling people through the rectum and making a torch out of them so they could have orgies. Do you think those were not fierce times? 
dangerous times. They were killing people for simply being a Christian. And we want to look at this text and go, oh, it's going to get bad. It's always been bad. The world hates Jesus. The world hates a Christian. The world doesn't want to turn on the lights. The devil is trying to destroy, and he puts us to sleep slowly by dimming the lights, by turning up the heat, by us walking away from the word. We wander away. We're taken captive. We go, that's you, but not me. That's them, but not me. That's that church, but not us. And we try to bring ourselves into a place where we're okay. Be very careful. Perilous times are here. If you can't see it by the landscape of the world today, then you'll never see it. And sadly, I talk to Christians every day and they can't see it. So you have to say, what has the devil done to your eyes? And do you care? whether God can take him off or not. He's able. You can come to repentance. You don't have to stay where you're at. You've been called to be part of the body, to do the work of the ministry, to be led by the Spirit of God, to understand the Word of God and the will of God. But it's much easier to be entertained and just do whatever I want to do and bounce around and forget God. The blessings are not the same. The end is not the same. The judgment seat is not the same. There is a difference. And there is strong deception in the church today. And we seem to be okay to accept it. Because it's the norm. Listen, I'm Abby Normal. That's a joke from the Young Frankenstein movie, if you guys don't know it. He said, where'd you get that brain? He says, it was Abby Normal. I think it's funny as can be. Sorry, I'm weird. Because my brain is abnormal. But listen, this is not our home. We're behind enemy lines. How many times do we have to talk about this is not a playground. This is a battleground for the souls of lives. You only get one shot at this. If you die and you were wrong, it's eternity in hell. So work out your salvation with fear and trembling. But know that this is a good God that's not hiding it from us. He's given us his truth. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. And when we ignore sanctification, we ignore wanting to be used by the master. We have perilous times that come in our lives and in our world. In our lives and the fruit is in our world. Verse 2 tells us, For men will be lovers of selves, themselves. Remember, they were in opposition to themselves. So if you're in opposition to yourself and you don't receive the love of God, now you're going to love yourself. Because that's where you was already, too much love. Psychology is a big one of that. The self-esteem doctrine, the love yourself doctrine. Where's that got you? It got you to a bunch of people who think that they're already so perfect that you need to bow down and worship them. 
that they're the God, that they're the woke crowd. That's what happens when you love yourself. That's why Christ came was because we love ourselves so much that we thought we were God, that we thought we were okay. And he wants to correct us. He wants to instruct us. He wants us to wake up and humble ourselves so that he can lift us up, not by anything that we've done, but because of what he's doing. So they become lovers of themselves in the church. Listen, in the church. People in the church are in love with themselves instead of God. It's, it's, it's meaning self-love or self-esteem. Thinking that they have already got it made. God called me because I'm so smart. Really? You're, you're, in, you're in such trouble. You're in shipwreck at the heart of your Christian walk if you think God called you because of who you were. It was all because of His great love. It was nothing that we have. We have nothing that we can give to God. And He's given us everything. And in self-love, we think that that's why we're here. And we got a plan, and we're going to do it. And we'll build the church. But not just self-love, because when you love self, then you're going to love money. That's the next one, lovers of money. Or covetous. Coveting money. It's philagerous, covetousness in the King James. Lovers of money or fond of silver. Oh, I'm fond of silver. I like silver. I, I like that message of redemption, but I'm never going to give in to it because I love myself. I like that message, Greg, that I need to be a lover of God and not a lover of myself, but ha, I got to go get, I got to get my money. I got to get my stuff because he who dies with the most toys wins. Boasters. Think about it. When you love yourself and you have self-esteem and you have money, you don't need a God. And now you boast about what you've done. You begin to brag about who you are. You begin to brag about how you've done something. It means to be a braggart. It really means uh, an empty pretender. When you hear somebody bragging and saying, I, 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 you can go, oh, empty pretender. Doesn't know God doesn't understand that he's loving himself and he wants to act like he's doing something. Listen, our entertainment culture is the epitome of this. Our entertainment culture is so high in their own self-esteem that God gave them a gift and they really think that they're the one doing it. And they think that they're doing it. I'm not talking about our entertainment culture in the world. We're talking about the church here, people. Everybody come back in here. Come back in here to the church. We're talking about the body of Christ and people out there being Christian musicians and Christian actors and writing books, and they think that they're smarter than everybody else. And if they did have something and were like a blind squirrel and they bumped into something and found a nut, they don't give God the glory for it. They think it's because of who they are. This is the boasting that we have. Wow. That's a dishonoring thing. They think they're gold and silver and they're really wood and earth. Isn't that crazy how upside down deception is? When you've been taken captive to do the will of the devil, you think you're the bee's knees and you're really wood and clay. That fire is going to burn up. Gold and silver is purified by fire. It takes out the impurities. That's what sanctification is. Nobody, you, don't, you guys don't put out your, your wood bowls for fancy people, don't you? You put out your fine china. You put out your nice silver platters. I know you guys don't. We're like, we're eating on the same stuff we eat with other people. 
I get it. I'm just teasing. But this is a this is a great house. This is the kingdom of God. This is some crazy this is a crazy list. Listen to me. This list is the church that has been taken captive and forgets God. Forgets who they are. So they become boasters. They're, they, 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 they are empty pretenders, blasphemers. Wait a minute. Proud, uh, appearing above others. I'm better than you. Blasphemers, speaking evil of others, or even worse yet, speaking evil of God. Disobedient to parents. Listen, listen. This is what happens when we don't train our kids in the way that they're supposed to go. Then even in the church, we have disobedient children, even to parents. Isn't it amazing that over in Romans chapter 1, when you see this in Romans chapter 1, the list, twice we have disobedient to parents because authority is taught in the homes. Authority and modeled out with the husband leading and the wife following and the child seeing authority. It's not about who we are, it's about who we serve and the authority structure. So that child goes out into the world and obeys authority instead of becoming lawless and reckless. And we see now today that the youth is out of control. And they're the woke crowd out there. Listen to me, that's the woke crowd. There's a bunch of adults that are doing it too, and I don't know where they're coming from following a woke crowd like they've never been through something. It's sad. Very, very sad. Because we leave the truth and we enter into a physical battle of trying to take care of people in the physical instead of the spiritual. Disobedient to parents rejecting authority now look at these these are these are things that you know look unthankful unholy unloving unforgiving you know that the opposite of those are what thankful holy loving forgiving those are godly qualities that we want to have and yet when you walk away in the apostasy in the perilous time a reduction of strength because we don't have the word of god you become like the world you become again in the church Mm. In fact, unforgiving, or excuse me, unloving is with, without natural affection. Without natural affection. We have, we have people killing their own children. There's no natural affection. I mean, you, you, a, mother, a mother typically will, will, will guard their child, and, and it's just in nature. And every day we're seeing some new mother that killed their child. Oh, oh, I wasn't talking about abortion. I did hear that cra a crazy thing, though. I don't know if you guys have heard of this, of frozen embryos. It's amazing stuff. I heard this the other day. I was listening to it, that there's people, that, that, that there's frozen embryos that can be frozen for months, and then they unfreeze them, and you can be artificially inseminated to have a baby. Or it's, it's, it's so amazing. And you go, well, that's not alive. Wait a minute. They're freezing them, and, and then later bringing them back out of frozen, and you can actually have a child that you adopt. That's pretty awesome that there's life in that frozen embryo. Oh, it's just a bunch of cells, Greg. It's not uh, life. I just thought it was cool. 
How can you sit around even in moderate intelligence? Not with the spirit, just moderate intelligence and say, I can freeze it, but it's not really alive. Now I can unfreeze it. We can have a baby, but it's not really alive. You've got to be kidding me. But we're getting smarter and better around here because we're following the world. Perilous times is what we're living in. A reduction of strength even in the church because the light is growing dim because we're not just teaching truth of the word of God. And we end up unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving. Oh, slanderers. Slanderers. Slanderers or uh, false accusers, King James, it's the word diablos. Accuser of the brethren. It's the word for Satan. That's the very nature of the people in the church. Instead of becoming Christ-like, they slander other people. They slander how they dress. They slander what they say. They slander their actions. Instead of praying for them, the church is slandering and talking about them. Without self-control. What's the fruit of the Spirit? Self-control. And so there is no self-control. It's actually the word incontinent in the King James. It means no control, powerless. And that leads to being brutal because you don't have the Spirit of God to teach you to be loving and kind and forgiving, so you become brutal or fierce, savage, is the King James. Despisers of good. And really, it's not, it's, it's, it's despisers of those that are good. See, our Bible just says despisers of good. But in the King James, it's written out, despisers of those who are good. So, so do we even despise somebody else that is living for Jesus? And since we're not wanting to go that far and be sanctified, then we get mad at them and slander their character so we can mess them around and we can keep living in this apostate Christianity the way that we want to do it. That's, that's what it's talking about. Opposing hostile to virtue or moral goodness. That's what virtue is. It's the moral goodness. And this is what we see in the church today. Oh, you're just a little too saved. Oh, that's not what we're doing. No, you don't have to do that. Just say a prayer. You don't have to be sanctified. You don't have to be washed and cleansed. You don't have to become a vessel ready for the master to use. You're already ready. Really? Really? God calls us, then He prepares us to be used in His hands. He doesn't call the prepared, He prepares the called. When you surrender to what He's doing, we have nothing when we come except an empty vessel in His house that can be sanctified and become gold and silver, or we can stay wood and clay, wood and earth, and keep living like we're unsaved. And it all leads to this. Look at this. When you become unholy, ungodly, unloving, unforgiving, you slander without uh, 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 self-control, and you're fierce or, or brutal, you despisers of those that are good, what happens next, Greg? You become a traitor. You don't have any loyalty. You're a traitor. So you're not standing on any solid foundation. And you're ready to fall for anything. Headstrong still, though. Heady, heady, H-E-A-D-Y, heady. 
It means rash and reckless. It actually means falling forward. Isn't that funny? Haughty. Man, these words are hard. When you look them up and you start looking at them, you go, wow, I see this everywhere in the church. I see it when I look in the mirror. Haughty. You know what haughty means? <laughs> to envelop with smoke. You ever heard the term they're blowing smoke? <laughs> they're just blowing smoke. Nothing real about it. Haughty. Because they're blowing smoke. They're self-conceited with their own pride. Haughty means high and lifted up. Lovers of pleasure. So they love themselves. They love money. They love pleasure. Does that sound like your entertainment culture today? Rather than lovers of God. Rather than Timothy honoring God. Rather than Theophilus, lovers and friends of God, we are off loving ourselves, loving our money, loving to have pleasure, chasing everything that feels good, blowing smoke. Rather than, more than, we'd rather please self than please God. And then it says, having a form of godliness. That word having a form, having is the word echo. Remember echo? That's the word for possession. This is what we really possess. We're supposed to be possessing a relationship with God. We're supposed to be in His house. And possession is the word that was used for that lady that was following and talking. And these are the servants of the Most High God. And Paul got sick and turned around and cast out the, the, the echo from her where she was possessed with a, a divining spirit. That's the word echo. It's what we possess. It's, what, it's also the word for diseased. It becomes a disease. Sin is disease. You want to you call everything a disease and a sickness? Sin is the sickness. Sin is the disease we're possessed with. And form is uh, morphos, morphosis. It means the appearance or a semblance. It looks like you know God, but it's a form of godliness that does what? denies its power no faith no strength there's no power in the word of god i gotta go out and do it myself it denies the power of god it contradicts it it rejects it it refuses to be under the authority of god and the ability of god and the power of god and he warns us right here listen and from such people turn away Wait a minute, we ain't supposed to judge. Well, then how do I know which ones to turn away from, to have no fellowship with? How do I know unless I'm judging? There has to be some epigenoscos going on. You can tell a tree by its fruit. You have to know if somebody's pretending or, or, or if they're real. You have to know if they have a form of godliness. Well, I can't judge them. Well, I'm not judging them eternally. But what I'm doing is not opposing myself, and I'm judging by the evidence of the fruit and their actions, that I don't want to be around that person very much because they're going to lead me astray. And you know what? I don't want that person as a pastor around my flock because they're going to lead them astray. It's just what we're supposed to do. He said, avoid them. Turn away from them. Turn away. No fellowship with. 
6. Number, this is man. You ready for man? For of this sort, this character, this nature, are those who creep, sneak in. It means to sink down. It's, it's got the word that comes from the word clothing. When you sink into a nice, comfortable piece of clothing and you slide into it, that's where this word comes from because they're wolves in sheep's clothing. Listen to me. Jesus warns us about it with the same words. They sneak into houses. Your Bible says households. Remember, we're of a great house. And in this great house, there's gold and silver, and there's, there's wood, and there's earth. And these others that are like this, they creep in to the house, and they want to take advantage. And you want to be like them instead of like God. And you look like other people, and you start to dress like the rest of the church culture. You start to act like the rest of the church culture, and you feel like you're okay, and you don't want to make any ripples but really, you need to have a relationship with the Word of God that God has sent to heal the land. You really need to have a personal love relationship with God and not just look like the church and have a form of godliness with no power. Because the power is when the Spirit of God leads you in the Word of God and washes and cleanses you and sanctifies you and puts you in the Master's hand so you can be used. That's the power of God, and you'll see it clearly in the life of someone who's doing that. And there are no perfect people. And just like Paul said, not that I've already attained, but one thing I do, I forget that which is behind me and I press on toward the higher call of God in Christ Jesus. That's what we want to do every day, not just on New Year's Day, but every day I want to press on to the next day. Every day I want to forget the bad and move on with the good. Every day I want to keep going forward, forgiving, giving grace and mercy and growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We live for eternity. Listen, we're eternal. We don't want to be trapped down here in this physical and say, oh, I'm inside of time. And I want to make a new year's resolution. What does a year have to do with it when we're going to live for eternity? We want to set the captives free in 2023. And we might be the captives. We might have a form of godliness and reject the power. Hopefully we're not creeping into houses and make captives of gullible or silly women is what it is in the King James, loaded down with sins, led away by various lies, always learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now think about that for a minute. Now, now stop because, see, some of you guys are going to go, yeah, but we shouldn't just talk bad about women. We're not talking bad about women. The whole church is a woman. It's a bride of Christ. And if you're not in the word of God, then you'll let anybody come into your spiritual house and lead you away captive because it feels good. It tickles your ears. It has no power with it. Listen, that's the same exact word for house. It says household. It means a family again. It's the same exact word for this great house that we're in, the church. It's not really referring to the woman, although it is a, a typology of what was going on in those days when women were slaves, when women were household tools. It was a typology of what would go on then, but it's really referring to the church, that we are the church and we'll listen to any voice, to anybody that says what tickles our ears. And they creep in and they take us captive because we listen because it sounds good. It sounds like what I want to hear. It sounds like a place that I can get and I can do. And that's not faith if you think you can do it. 
Listen, it's talking about us being laid down with sin and, and, and we need to be sanctified and cleansed from our former selves. And that comes positionally and then practically. Creeps have crept in all over the church teaching we don't need the Old Testament teaching that the Mormons and, and the Catholics are serving the same Jesus, teaching that Jehovah's Witnesses and Seventh-day Adventists are serving the same Jesus. Listen, it's synagogues of Satan that are trying to deceive the elect if we're possible. It's not the same Jesus, I'm sorry. My Jesus was God in the flesh. My Jesus came and died for me. My Jesus was born of a virgin birth. I cannot be like the Most High God. I cannot be a God. And many of those teach something totally, totally blasphemous to the true scriptures and the true nature of God. And it's easy to be led away by our various lusts. We already have desires. And then somebody teaches to that desire. They teach you all you need to do is say a prayer. They teach you that you can keep pursuing whatever you was doing. They teach you to just keep on going the same way you were going instead of repenting and turning. They teach you that it's okay. Jesus loves you. And, and, and this love, God is love. And, and those are true statements. But then they twist them and say love is love. And we're all God's children anyway, ain't we? And they twist all of these things to make you think you're okay. And you need to know, not what somebody says, not even what I say. Be a Berean, study the scriptures, find out what God is doing, and receive this free gift and then open it. And then ask the Holy Spirit to help you open it more. And then ask the Holy Spirit to send you and use you as the body of Christ. You don't have to be paralyzed and taken captive to do the devil's will. And then they give us this example, oh, excuse me, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's another reason why people switch churches. That's another reason they go from place to place, place to place. You get tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Instead of setting still, reading the Bible, learning the Bible, asking the Holy Spirit to wash and cleanse you and teach you, we begin to go, well, I'm not getting it here, so it must be, it must be them. It must be something they're doing. I need to find a church that's actually going to teach the way I like it. And I'll go to where I can get an understanding. Or I'm going to buy another Bible. Let me find a Bible that reads like the newspaper, and, 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 and I'll be able to understand it then. See, that's all flesh. And the attack is on the Word of God. And they're making Bibles now that read like the newspaper. But it has nothing to do with it because the Bible is spiritually discerned. The Bible is taught by the Holy Spirit. It's not uncovered by somebody retranslating it. It's uncovered by the Spirit of God opening the eyes of a child of God and then leading them in the way that they're supposed to go. And as you obey, He teaches you more and more and more. And as you spend time in it. Always learning. See, that's what happens with a lot of the church. They're always learning. Man, that was a good sermon. What'd you learn? Nothing. Never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. The truth is Jesus. Knowing Jesus in a personal way and going out. Now, I, I'm thankful. You know, I remember the first fight me and my wife got into um, after we were saved. Yeah, you know, marriages still fight. They might fight more after they're saved. 
but you fight differently. You surrender because you know that God hates divorce. Listen, but I remember that, and I ran to my pastor. I got to have some help. I didn't run to God. I ran to my pastor. I remember you guys were like, he's told this one a billion times. And I'm banging on the door crying. And my pastor doesn't answer the door. So I sat down on a pew on his porch and I cried out to God. And God healed my marriage. God created my marriage some 25 years later. My wife's still mean as a snake. I mean, did I say that out loud? I am teasing. But Tom was upstairs in his house watching the Three Stooges on TV. Um, it's hilarious when you think about it. Here I'm crying out going, help me, Lord. Pastor, tell me what to do with my marriage. And he's like, ha, 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 me, 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 me. He's listening to the Three Stooges, laughing his butt off. Where do you want to go for help? You want to go to God. Be careful going to, uh, well, you need to get counsel from your pastor. That's okay. Yeah, right. If it doesn't line up with the Word of God, don't take it. Always learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. We got to move. We got to turn this, uh, we got to put this on fast forward. Verse 8. Now, as Janus and Jambres, pretty interesting, really, uh, Janus means he vexed and jambres means foamy healer <laughs> yeah some fake healers janice and jambres according to the talmud was actually they, they passed it down traditionally this was the the magicians that were before pharaoh in egypt when moses came and said let my people go and he threw down his staff and it turned into an alligator yes it's an alligator and then they threw down theirs and they mimic it but his ate theirs this was the ones that resisted God, resisted those being drawn out. They were on the side of Pharaoh. And this is what this is telling us, that these also are still here today. As Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, one's drawn out, so do these resisted truth. These creeps resisted truth. They don't want to be corrected. They don't want it. They like what they're doing. They double down when you say, but the word of God says. Men of corrupt minds, they're spoiled entirely, depraved, disapproved. This is the word castaway, reprobate is King James. Unapproved, rejected, worthless castaways. What's a castaway? Kicked off the boat. You're a castaway. You ain't in the fellowship. Castaway. Concerning faith, the faith in Christ, but they will progress no further for their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also was. Now think about that statement for me. You could go, oh man, my brain hurts. What do you mean though? It seems like that that church is growing more than the real church. And it means if you're in the word of God and you're listening to God and you're being sanctified and you want to be used in the master's hand, you'll recognize their folly instantly because you'll know the truth. They won't progress anywhere in your heart, in your life, if you're doing what you're called to do, you're choosing to submit to God and resist the devil and draw near to God. Then he gives this contrast. Let's do verse 10 and we'll move quickly. Contrast. Paul is contrasting without you knowing it, his life with their lives. But you have carefully followed my instruction, 
doctrine is the word. My actions, my manner of life, my purpose, that's what he's pursuing. His faith, what he's trusting in, long-suffering, going through. His charity, how he gave himself away. His perseverance, how he was patient and kind and teaching those that were opposed. His persecution, his affliction. Do you see that? All them words are definitions of a true saint. Isn't that amazing? No, I don't want to go through all that. Afflictions, persecutions, long-suffering, which happened to me in Antioch. Remember Antioch? That's where they were first called Christians at. Antioch means driven against. I was like, what? So if you're living a life Christ-like, everybody else would be driven against you. Everybody that's not living a life of Christ. Driven against. Iconium means little image, icon. Lystra means ransoming. Lystra is where Timothy uh, actually uh, was from, and he met Paul there. How did he meet him? Guess what? He says, listen, and what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Soteria. Did you see that? Did you see that? Lystra is Timothy's hometown. You know what happened to Paul in Lystra? He was drugged outside the city and stoned to death and left for dead. And he said that God delivered him out of it. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I want to get out of this, Lord. Get me out of this. He takes you through it. He got him out of himself. By making him pray, he was stoned to death, left for dead, and went back into the city of Lystra where Timothy was from. What a witness where Timothy becomes his disciple. But Paul sees it as God delivering him out of it. Because he took himself out of there and he showed him he could trust God even when it hurt and it was painful and they were trying to kill you, you can still trust God because you're not going to die until God's finished with you, till you've run your course. I mean, I figure he'd much rather died. God will deliver you from everything. That's what he's doing. Sanctification is about delivering you from yourself, from your sin nature. Sanctification is about delivering you from this death and giving you fullness of life. Verse 12, yes, Paul says, yes, and amen. And all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse. It's going to get worse. Deceiving and being deceived. That's the word planeo. You know why that's important? That's the same word that James uses in 519. If any of you wonders, that's planeo. It means that you're seduced or you get out of the way. It, it, it means that you cause to roam from safety or from truth. It's the same word. Because they're getting worse. They're, they're, they're teaching false they're, they're, they're saying things that did not line up with the truth of the gospel and causing people to roam from the safety of the truth. That's why you need to have a personal love relationship where it's real, practical, and you're in the Word of God, hearing from God. He knows you, you know Him, and you're following close behind is the evidence because you're fleeing the world. Not isolating from the world, fleeing the world. This is not what I desire anymore. I desire what God desires, that all men would come to repentance. Oh, do I get irritated? Yes. 
Do I get frustrated? Yes, because I'm still flesh. But we're wanting that to be burned out. And that's what God's doing is delivering us from that as we go through that. As they throw the stones. But what does he tell Timothy? The encouragement. But here's the contrast. It's getting worse and worse. Perilous times. The church looks terrible. There's a few. We're gleaning the edges. You must continue, abide, remain, stand is what the word means. In the things which you have learned, you've been instructed, corrected, and been assured of, knowing from whom you learned them. Make sure of where you got it from. You didn't get it from the world. And that from chi- from a child, it says childhood, but it means from a child, an infant. It can even mean an unborn in the womb. That from childhood, you have known the holy scriptures, sacred writings, to reference to the Old Testament because the new wasn't written yet. Listen, listen. Why is that important? Why is the holy scriptures so important? Look at it. Which are able, there's my sermon on able, which are able to make you wise for soteria, salvation, deliverance from the sin nature. How? Through faith, which is where at, where is it hidden? In Christ Jesus. Are you opening the package? Are you building a relationship? It takes the Holy Spirit with the Holy Scriptures, Right? Holy Spirit with the Holy Scriptures. Why is that, Greg? 16. Because all Scripture, all the Holy Writ is God-breathed. It's by inspiration of God. God inspired godly men to write it down. He moved upon them. And what does it do, Greg? It is, it is profitable, helpful, it's serviceable. It's advantageous for doctrine or instruction in how to live is what that means. For teaching and how to live. And, and it's for reproof. What is reproof, Greg? It's conviction. It's proof or evidence. See, if you're doing something and the Word of God says something the opposite of what you're doing, then that's proof that you're living in the flesh. It's proof that you're, that part needs to be burned out. So it's reproof, but the Word of God doesn't stop with just telling you what's right. Or what's wrong, it corrects you. Here's that word correction again. It means a straightening up again, a reformation. And I remember this definition from years ago that the Greeks used it. It means to stand back up again that which has been knocked over. So the Word of God doesn't just say bad, wrong. And when you're training your children, you shouldn't just say bad, wrong. But you should teach them what the right thing is to do. You shouldn't say that when you're in, you should say this. When somebody says, I used to always say it to, to, to Addison, I, I, I tell her she's a beautiful young girl, and she would go, I'd go, you're supposed to say thank you. Because we need to know that. I'm not picking on Addison, I'm not picking on anybody. We all do that. When someone gives you a compliment, the right thing to do is say thank you. You know, but we don't always know what to say. You know, when people say stuff to us, but the word of God teaches you how not to behave, but then how to do it rightly. And that's why you need the word of God growing in you, the nature of Christ growing in you, which looks like joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of love. 
That's what love looks like. And when that's growing in you, it comes out of you when you hit the wrong nail with the hammer. So it reproves you, and it says this evidence is that you're still living like the old man. But here's the evidence and the proof of you being corrected because you listen and you're stood back up again. And for instruction in righteousness, the word means training or tutorage. It's how you nurture a child again in what? Right living before God. Well, why are we doing all that? For the same reason we were being sanctified over in verse 21, right? Same thing. The Word of God is always the answer. The Word of God is where we turn when we get saved in God's house. The Word of God is where we turn back to when we're apostate. The Word of God is where we turn back to when we say, oh my goodness, I haven't been doing the right thing. I need to get right and turn back to the Word of God because it's inspired. It was God who spoke. His Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Look what it says, 17, that the child of God may be perfect, complete, thoroughly furnished. Think about it. You're in a house. You're a part of the furniture of God's house. And you have a house and you need to be furnished for what? Every good work. Why? Because when you're in the master's hand, he wants to use you for good works. He wants to send you out as a witness to tell a dead and dying world they need Jesus and also point out those seducers that are getting worse and worse and worse and deceiving and causing people to, to, to um, believe lies. Do you have a desire to set the captives free in 2023? Do you have a desire to be used in the kingdom of God? Maybe just for a moment you're just happy. I'm just so happy I'm saved. I don't need to be used yet. Well, listen, you got to grow up. You got to grow up. There's many, many vessels in the Father's house. Are you going to be used as a vessel of honor or dishonor? Do you want to join in setting the captives free in 2023? Then be led by the Spirit of God into the Word of God for the glory of God. Amen? The Lord bless you. Father, thank you for your mercy and grace. Thank you for setting the captives free. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. My goodness, I just realized what time it was. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Desire.